This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Welcome to Laravel News Podcast, episode 177. I am your one and only host this week, Michael Dorenda. Uh, we had some scheduling issues as we have been having the last few weeks. And so I thought in the interest of getting the news to our dear listeners in a timely fashion, I would run this one solo. Special thanks to our friends at Honey Badger once again for sponsoring the episode. Honey Badger is error uptime and cron monitoring. We will be talking more about them. We, I will be talking more about them later in the show. And on that note, let's get this going. First up, Laravel 9.31 was released with a new request lifecycle duration handler, update model without changing time steps methods, fake batches for testing, and more. Right off the bat, Tim McDonald contributed a callback handler for when a request lifecycle is longer than a given time limit. The callback is similar to the cumulative database query time released in Laravel 9.18 previously, but this is for the request lifecycle, so this is useful if you want to spit out an error or basically handle in some way when a response takes longer than a certain amount of time. So you can say uh, this app kernel when request lifecycle is longer than and give it an interval in seconds and then pass as the second parameter a closure, which will give you a started at a request and response instance that you can then deal with as you need. Next up, also from Tim, we have a new static without timestamps method, uh, which will allow you to update a model without changing the updated at value. So this is handy if there are scenarios where you want to update a model without, for whatever reason, setting the updated value. And this will take a closure as its first argument. And you can do whatever you need to on that specific model. So this is on a per model basis. So you do user colon colon without timestamps, and then pass it the closure and go from there. Next up, Enzo Inocenzi contributed a manifest hash method to the Veep class that returns a unique hash if the manifest file exists, which can be used to invalidate assets. We have links to the uh, pull request in question for that in the show notes. Next up, Taylor Otwell contributed fake batches. Now, this was introduced because it's currently hard to test things like if a batch was cancelled by a job or if a job added additional jobs to a batch. You have the ability to create a fake batch manually and override the cancel or add methods and so on. So this is a with fake batch method that you can attach to your uh, job class and then you can make assertions on that job. So when you have the test job with fake batch method, it will return an array, the first parameter or the first item in that array being the job that was dispatched, the second being the batch that was um, that, that job was part of or created. Next up, Arturo Rodriguez added an accessor method to models, uh, to the model class to get the accesses that are being appended to model arrays, which is useful for custom model mappings. So you can call model get appends, and that will return an array of all of the values in your appends Array. This is a protected property, so it's good to have public access to that. Steve Bauman added a missing static string colon colon wrap method, which was only available via the stringable object previously. So this allows you to take a parameter and say wrap and give it two arguments, which will, which will basically prepend and append these values. So if you have string wrap dash bar dash, and then passes the second argument foo and the third baz, you will then get foo dash bar dash baz as your output. 
And last up in this release, another one from Tim. Tim McDonald contributed the macroable trait to the Illuminate Foundation Veep class, which allows you to create aliases matching your JavaScript configuration. So that's handy if you want to add ad hoc things to the uh, Veep class and then use that. For example, you could have a Veep image macro and you can go Veep colon colon image and that will handle resolving the asset path and images and all that kind of stuff for you. And you can just use that in your played views directly. So that's all we have for uh, Laravel 9.31. We'll have the complete list of features and links to all of the relevant pull requests in the change log. And next up, we also had Laravel 9.32 released. First up, Nuna Madura improved the DD and the dump output. So these are dump and die and dump methods. They will also add the source file and line for where that method or where that debug was output in your code. So I know I have in scenarios in the past been stung by putting DDs and dumps all over the place and then forgetting where they were and losing them. So being able to see exactly which DD or which dump is being triggered and where makes it easy to go and roll that out of your code. This update is beneficial, um, as I said, for those rogue DDs. Next up, Joe Dixon contributed two artisan commands that allow you to both encrypt and decrypt .env files. And according to the PR description, these commands are inspired by Rails, which has had similar functionality since version 5.1. The biggest benefit of this is that the encrypted environment files can be committed to version control, which opens up a number of possibilities. One benefit is that you can commit the encrypted files and use it for development. So you could have a .env local, for example, and you can encrypt it using specific ciphers, um, specific environment files. So you could have a, if you were to say PHP artisan env colon encrypt dash dash env equals production, it would look for a .env .production file and create the corresponding .env .production .encrypted. And then to decrypt, decrypt the file, you can use PHP artisan env colon decrypt and use dash dash key equals and then pass it the key, which is then used, obviously, to decrypt that file. So this is useful for putting your credentials into version control without having to worry about, you know, how do we share these values with, with developers and things like that. Caution should be taken, of course. You don't want to accidentally commit an unencrypted file into version control because it's there forever. Um, and obviously, leaking credentials can be detrimental to your application, your business, and, you know, finances and things like that. So be very careful when using that um, and consider whether it is correct. For your application. Next up, another Tim McDonald contribution is the new is an update to the without overlapping class that allows you to apply overlapping logic across jobs instead of only supporting instances of the same class. So you can check out pull request double four double two seven for that one. Pascal Balget contributed the ability to use a shorter syntax for passing attributes to Blade components, and I think this may have been inspired from some of the work done in Laravel LiveWire v3 that's coming out. So previously. If you wanted to pass a a real, like a, a raw model to your view or a, a raw value, previously you'd have to use the colon attribute syntax. So you'd say colon user dash ID equals, and then quotes you'd provide dollar user ID. Now you've got this shorthand syntax, which allows you just to, which allows you to just go colon dollar user ID, which is the same thing. Like it's a, it's an alias for that. So that is a nice little... Um, short attribute syntax and nice quality of life improvement there. Jason McCreary, JMac, added support for conveniently casting request data to float and integer types in the same way that we have um, request enum, for example. You can now do request integer or request float and know that you will always get back an integer value or a float value from the request. Sometimes, especially when you're receiving JSON, 
and PHP by its very nature will will cast these things. So it will come in, you know, the number one or one in quotes. If you if you need it to be an integer in all scenarios, you can use the request integer and likewise the request float. In addition, JMAC also contributed methods to conveniently cast stringables to common data types similar to those found in Laravel's HTTP request. Um, so before we, you'd have to do something like infal and then using the string helper, so str, shift-worker-01, after last, dash, to string, and then convert that to an infal. You can now use to integer, to float, to boolean, and to date methods on the stringable object, which makes just, you know, it kind of gives you that, syntactic sugar to these underlying things for you automatically, which is always nice to use. And next up, Florian Staschek contributed the ability to provide defaults for enum route bindings when defining a route. So we introduced in a a previous Laravel release the ability to bind enum values to our route parameters so that you know the values that are coming in through your query string are going to be valid enum values. So you can now specify defaults for this as well, and they'll get picked up as well. And then the last thing that we have here, which is in a a separate post from Paul Redmond, everyone's favorite human, is uh, the new benchmarking helper that was introduced in Laravel 9.32, which is useful to quickly test the performance of certain parts of your application. So this was contributed by Nuna Madura, and this is adding a benchmark class to Laravel, which works by passing a closure that runs some code you want uh, to benchmark and then returns the time it took in milliseconds. So you can use benchmark colon colon measure and then pass it a closure. And and this is useful in scenarios where you want to sort of look at a piece of code and see if you've got some slowness in there. If something's taking a bit longer, you're trying to identify, you know, whether it's the request that's taking a while or a specific query, you can wrap this whole thing inside of a closure and it will tell you, you know, at the end of it, it will return a time in milliseconds of how long this took. You can additionally pass an array of closures and optionally configure how many iterations the closure should be run. So you could do a um, multiple queries. You could say, run these two queries three times, and then it would give you um, the values back. And the benchmark class, of course, has a DD method, which runs the code within the closure um, and then outputs the results straight away. So you don't even have to worry about DDing that yourself. Um, it's all included as part of that. And with the update to providing the file line, uh, the file and the line output, you've got some useful new debugging tools if you just need to quickly get some measurements out of your application and things like that. So you can learn more about at Laravel 9.32. We'll have links to that in the show notes as well as the new benchmarking sh- section available within the helpers documentation. We'll have links as always to all of that in the show notes. At Laracon Online, Caleb Pozio gave a talk called The Future of Livewire. And this demoed all of the new features that had been planned for Livewire v3. And in this article by Jason Beggs, he'll go over some of those features in case you missed the talk or you wanted a second look. I'm going to hit them at a very high level because there's quite a lot to it. If you want more details, obviously check the show notes. We'll have the links there. The entire of Livewire's core has been rewritten and the new core relies on AlpineJS using its morph history and other plugins under the hood and restructuring the code base um, and relying on Alpine in this way also enabled a lot of new features to be added. Livewire scripts, styles, and Alpine are now injected automatically. We've got hot reloading without a build step. We've got wire transition. We've got the ability to write JavaScript functions inside of your PHP classes, so inside of your Livewire components, and they're automatically returned into the UI. We've got at locked property annotations, which allows you to support lock properties that cannot be updated from the front end. Wire model has been changed to be deferred by default. So this is the inverse 
of, of how it worked in LiveWire V2. And this is one of the very few breaking changes coming from LiveWire V2 to V3. Requests are now batched. So if you've got uh, multiple components that are using YPOL or dispatching and listening for events, each one of those components would previously have sent separate requests to the server on each poll or event. Whereas in LiveWire V3, there is now intelligent batching of requests so that the YPOL events, listeners and method calls can be batched into a single request wherever possible. So this saves requests, improves performance and makes for a better user experience, of course. We now have at modelable properties. This is a pain point from LiveWire v2 where you model a property from a parent to a child component. So if you had like a to-do input component, it was not easy to pass in a value then have it automatically updated in the parent anytime the child updated it. So this is now possible in LiveWire v3 using the at modelable doc block annotation. Check that out if you need more details about that. You've got access to parent components, data and methods using the dollar parent variable. You've got at teleport is a new blade directive that will allow you to teleport a piece of markup and render it in another part of the DOM. This is similar to the concept of portals, I think, within Vue. So definitely check that out if that's something of interest to you. We've got lazy components, why navigate, at persist, a new laravelliveyear.com website. Um, there's, there's heaps in there. This has been a long time coming. I know that Caleb has worked really hard on it and the contributors to LiveWire have been getting that along. One thing that you, you might want to consider um, and something to be mindful of is is when you're upgrading from V2 to V3, even though there's just a small handful of breaking changes, your code may have some errors. And even code that is written by amazing LiveWire developers such as yourself, when errors happen, it's nice to know that HoneyBadger has your back. HoneyBadger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime, and check-in monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform, and they'll send you alerts in real time with all the context you need to see what's causing those errors and where they're hiding so you can quickly fix them and get on with your day. And with the included uptime and cron monitoring, this also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. You can go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star, Josh, and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution, which is super important because as a self-funded business, they only answer to you and me as developers rather than their venture capital overlords. So you can check them out at honeybadger.io. They've been a longtime supporter of the podcast and of Laravel News. We appreciate them for it, and we would love if you could check them out. The Laravel Notification Event Subscriber is a simple package that registers an event subscriber to make it easy to run code while sending notifications. And specifically, this package allows you to run any action while a notification is being sent or after it has been sent. So we have a your notification that extends the, the Laravel notification class. You can now add a on sending method or an on sent method. So on sending will accept a string representing the channel and the response that you want to send. And you can do whatever you need in there with that with that channel. And on sent, obviously after this has happened. This works by registering an event subscriber that listens to the notification sending and notification sent events and checks to see if the notification class then defines the corresponding on sending and on sent methods. May have made a meal of that. You know how this goes. If you need more details about it, check out the links in the show notes for the notification event subscriber package. Next up, we have Laravel Mealer Tools, which provides additional tools for Laravel Scout 9 and above integration with Mealer Search. The package aims to open the possibility of using advanced filtering easily and sorting through Laravel Scout without manually diving into the internals of the Mealer Search API. The package also includes useful artisan commands for things like getting the details of an index, resetting the settings of an index, and more. And if you are experimenting with Miller Search and Scout, definitely check this out. 
you can read Getting Started with Laravel Scout and Miller Search on the Laravel News website. We'll have links to that and this package in the show notes. We have three beautiful, comprehensive, long, but very useful tutorials from our friend Steve McDougall. The first one is on setting up your data model in Laravel. The data model is one of the most important parts of any Laravel application, and many systems will be designed around the data model. So it's typically one of the first things we approach during development. Some of us have been doing this for years and have a good idea of how to approach this, while others may not be used to it yet. Steve learned about data modeling before he knew there was such a thing as a framework in designing data models using create table statements. So in this tutorial, he's going to walk through how you can approach data modeling in your Laravel apps and some tips on what he finds helpful and how you might approach that. Um, it's, a, it's a good introduction to that and the kind of things that you'd want to think about when setting up your data model. It's not as scary as data model makes it sound, so definitely check it out. Another one from Steve here is a simple one-time password authentication tutorial for Laravel. If you've ever used something like Notion, when, when you get logged out after a period of inactivity, it asks you to log in, ask for your email address. When you enter your email address, if you have an account in the system, it will then send you an email with like a one-time password that you then copy and paste or click the link and then it'll help you to log into your application. So this is a tutorial that helps you build that functionality out into your own applications. And and depending on the nature of your application, the kinds of users that you've got, sometimes the one-time password thing is a little bit simpler than kind of getting users to come up with safe passwords, secure passwords, and then remembering those passwords and things like that. So it's a, it's a nice little security measure that you can implement that not only protects your users, but also helps you to validate that the email addresses not only are typed correctly, but that they actually exist and that your users are reachable on them. So definitely check this one out. It's a useful tutorial with some good tips in there. And lastly from Steve, writing to the database with Eloquent. Laravel Eloquent is one of the most powerful and amazing features in a modern day framework. From casting data to value objects and classes, protecting the database using fillable fields, transactions, scopes, global scopes, and relationships, Eloquent enables you to succeed in whatever you need to do with the database. Getting started with Eloquent can sometimes feel intimidating as it can do so much and you are never really sure where to start. So this tutorial will focus on what Steve considers to be some of the essential aspects of any application and that is writing to the database. So there's a number of ways to do this. You can create, you can save, you can update, you can do it using the fill method. You can do it instantiating a class with an array. You can set properties one by one. There's there's a number of different ways of going about this. And Steve goes into that and more in this tutorial. So definitely check it out. It's been a pretty popular one on the Laravel News website. And if you haven't read it yet, I encourage you to do so. On that note, apologies that Jake wasn't here. In the interest of getting this episode out in a timely fashion, I have just recorded it. So there we are. You can find show notes at podcast.laravel-news.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News on Twitter. Uh, Any questions, comments, suggestions, you can do that there. If you could leave us a rating or review in your podcatcher of choice, five stars is always appreciated. And thanks once again to our friends at honeybadger.io for sponsoring this show. We'll be back in two weeks, hopefully both of us on deck and back on our regular recording cadence. And we'll have an exciting new sponsor to talk about then as well. So make sure you check it out. Bye.